This is the Frogcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Frogcast. We are excited today to talk to you about the TCU Horn Frogs after their big 28-7 win in Fayetteville, beating the Arkansas Razorbacks. Gary Danielson could not believe that our, quote, finesse Big 12 team came in and beat a team from the SEC. But wouldn't you know, we know how to play a little football in Texas. Horn Frogs win 28-7. We're going to talk about that and a whole lot more on this episode of the Frogcast. Well, tonight I'm with Jeremiah, Jeremy, and Daniel, and I'm Jeff Mitchell, and we're excited to be talking about the Frogs tonight. Guys, let's just kind of kick things off here real quick. We'll start with you, Jeremiah. Summarize this game in one word and tell me what you thought it meant for the program. This is hard to say, but I'm going to say dominating, and I'm specifically speaking on the defensive side of the ball. And the reason why I think that's big is because I think we kind of see what – uh, this defense can be, you know, obviously uh, Arkansas is not known for a high flying offense, but uh, you know, last year TC kind of struggled to stop the run and they absolutely just stuffed Arkansas dominated the line of scrimmage um, DBs flying up all over the place, making big hits. I mean, it was really fun to watch. And I, I think what that can mean for TCU going forward is you're kind of seeing uh, Patterson feels like he's got a team that, Kind of reminds him a little bit of years past. You know, he's got 21 seniors on this team. These guys have been in the weight room for four or five years now. They understand the system. Uh, it just means that this this has a chance to be a really special year on the defensive side of the ball. If you can run the ball the way they're doing that and play defense, uh, who knows how far they can go with that. Yeah, I will be curious to see what this means for the program going forward, but I completely agree with you about domination. Daniel, tell us a little bit about what you thought about, uh, in one word, the, summarizing this game. Speed, baby. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we got some new drops tonight. We got some new drops tonight. So we got some speed, baby. That's a classic. That is a classic. Speed, baby. Um, oh, am I still supposed to answer? Oh, okay. Uh, yes, you are. <laughs> that was a... Um, uh, there's so many words I could use to describe it. And uh, I think one of the... Now, now that the game is over, during the game I was a nervous wreck um, because Kenny Hill would throw an interception. We'd drop it you know, within a couple of yards uh, of the end zone, and then they recovered it. Um, but... Uh, looking back, it's – I want to say it's refreshing. How's that? Um, because you can trust the defense again. You can um, trust that the offensive play calling is mm, – I, I don't want to be rude, but it's not you know egocentric like it might have been in the you know, past couple of years. <clears throat> and – um, we stuck to the, you know, stuck to the running game. Um, maybe that's because they don't trust Kenny Hill to pass. I don't know, but, uh, it worked it worked great. And, um, you know, we got to see a lot of, uh, you know, talented players doing some really good stuff like 
Darius Anderson and, you know, Shawo carrying like six guys into the end zone there at the end. It was awesome. So, uh, yeah, that's my favorite word is refreshing. It's old school football. We can, we can hang with, uh, you know, those mammoth players the SEC always gets, even though the team may suck overall, they still have gigantic players that can shove you around. And, uh, it was, it, you know, I just love beating that team there. And Brett Bielema is such a fat pig. So, uh, <laughs> it's just, I hate seeing his face and it was so good. Such a good win. Um, but it, it gives me a lot of confidence, uh, going forward. Um, as long as you don't, you know, overlook SMU like, uh, 2000, what was it? Five. Yeah. Uh, yeah. As long as we don't do something like that, because, you know, we're looking past it or we're relieved and we think we have like a, almost a bye week or something like that. So anyway, I, I'm just, I'm, I was just blown away at, at some of the some of the skill I got to see, and just I'm just so happy, so happy. Yeah, I think of this as a game where I just kind of went, "Wow!" I don't know how many times the defense got stressed, and then they were they they just kept doing their job. I don't know how many times we would waste an opportunity on offense, and defense came back out and forced a three and out, or only gave up one or two first downs and forced a punt. But over and over, I just kept saying, "Wow!" and was so delighted to see what we were able to accomplish on the road. I don't know what it is about that makes us a great road team, but we are a great road team. And I was delighted to see what the Frogs were able to accomplish up there in Fayetteville. Jeremiah, I know you're a connoisseur of, of our recruitings, of our recruits, and to see some of these guys get fully integrated into the program. What really impressed you on offense? I know we had some production. I know we left probably two, maybe three touchdowns on the field, but our offense did some things right this game, even if it wasn't fully expressed on the scoreboard until late in the game. What most impressed you on the offensive side of the ball, Jeremiah? I'm just going to go offensive line. I mean, look, the running game – was very impressive and to me it started with the offensive line really setting the tone early um they came in uh you know arkansas was the team that had the reputation with the power run game um that's a big thing in the sec i think tcu was tired of hearing that the big 12 is soft they won't say that to a man they'll all say it wasn't it was just tcu versus arkansas it wasn't big 12 versus sec but the fact is they were tired of hearing it uh they they, they amped up the physicality and practice over the off season. Um, during the spring, during the summer, they really hit the weights hard. They just—they were so focused on just being more physical. Um, I was really impressed with the way that the offensive line just fired off the ball. Um, man, I know Kyle Hicks wasn't – first of all, Kyle Hicks was not 100% still. Even Gary said after the game he was a little tentative with some of his runs. Um, but the, the running game in general was very impressive. Uh, Darius Anderson, that guy, he runs, he runs like a madman. Was that not fun to watch? I mean, he is incredible, and I think we're just now really starting to scratch the surface of his potential. Um, and then you add Shawo in there running the wild frog, and uh, that last play where he just carried oh. five or six Arkansas guys into the end zone looked like a grown man play right there. So, you know, I was I was just really impressed with the physicality. I was really impressed with the offensive line, the running game, and uh, – Man, you got to see there's there's a lot of young guys doing. There's a lot of seniors on this team, but there's a lot of young guys really making some uh, major co- contributions to this thing, and and it's been a whole lot of fun to watch early on. You know, when Kenny's helmet came off down there at the goal line, and they brought in Sean Robinson, my first thought was run this run the zone read. I want to see Sean read, score yeah. up there, and they send him out there as a is a wide out on the left, put Shea Wu there in the shotgun in the wild frog. 
And they put Cole, you know, Cole uh, Hunt there on the right, basically is a is a is an up back as well as bring in uh, uh, John DR. So it looked like the old uh, LSU pitched, uh, you know, toss lead. Only they snapped it to Shewu, and he just, you know, multiple occasions just took the ball and walked right into the end zone. That was beautiful. That was that was a sight to see. I was really impressed with the offensive line and our ability to to run the ball. Yeah, you mentioned Darius Anderson. That's a guy that. I don't think we're going to be able to keep him off the field this season. Do you, do you agree, Jeremiah? He's going to take some snaps in, in key situations. Well, I completely agree, and and I love Kyle Hicks as much as anybody on this team, so please don't take what I'm saying as a shot at Kyle Hicks. But, you know, he does get banged up from time to time, and um, and, and it, it's going to limit, I believe, how available he is throughout the year. Um, Darius just has this – this I don't know, man. It's just this mentality. He's not much bigger build-wise than Hicks, but it's this mentality when he gets in, he's not looking to dance or make a cut. He's getting upfield, and he's going to lower his shoulder and run over somebody. And like you said, it's going to be really hard to keep him off the field. I mean, he's done nothing but prove that he can be an elite number one back in, at this level, which we kind of all knew that coming off you know, when he was being recruited. But to see him do it every time he gets in the game, it's like he's on a mission. And uh, like you said, it's going to be real hard to keep him off the field. I, I wouldn't be surprised to see him have a minimum of 12 to 15 carries per game, and that's even with Kyle Hicks in there. Um, you know, it's tough for Shaywell because Shaywell's his opportunities are going to be third and one type plays or goal line type plays, you know. Um, Darius is just so explosive. Um, I, I don't see how they keep him off the field. They've got to get the guy the ball because he, he makes plays. Yeah, he knows what to do when he gets the ball in his belly and that you can't keep that guy off the field, especially with the way that our offense is designed. <laughs> Daniel, what impressed you about our offense? You know, we got we got Kenny Hill that we're going to talk about here in a second, but what else that we haven't mentioned yet that you feel confident about from our offense after watching the Arkansas game? Well, um, I came into this podcast mostly wanting to talk about Darius Anderson, so that's kind of been covered <laughs> now. Uh, but no, I, I, I've been liking that guy since... Last year, um, you know, when it was like in 2015, I liked Hicks over Green. And then starting last year, I liked, um, once I saw some of Darius Anderson, like especially Texas and um, mostly Texas, maybe. In Baylor, I was too. Like, yeah, I was thinking Baylor, but I couldn't yeah. remember. Uh, man, I was like, okay, I like this guy even better. And, and, and that's the thing, like, um, Jeremiah mentioned, you know, Kyle Hicks is going to kind of, you know, hop around side cut and that didn't work against Arkansas. Uh, they weren't going to play that game, but if you run right through him, like Anderson, uh, man, he just, <laughs> it's, it's great to see that kind of running. And, um, I know you, you pull that kind of stuff against, you know, the teams in the big 12. I don't, <clears throat> I don't think there's much stopping you. And, um, it's, I don't know. I'm just really impressed with 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 the run game. Um, I mean, it's, it's it's fun. Like I was saying, refreshing earlier. It's fun to see mostly running. Um, it, it's kept felt like a short game. It didn't, you know, it was entertaining. But I, I don't know. It was just I just I just I, I I had a chance to watch it live. Like I said, I was a nervous wreck half the time because nothing seemed to ever be going right. But that's how I do during games. I'm completely irrational, um, but I got to, got to watch it again today, and uh, um, that's the most I took out from it was mostly Darius Anderson, although Kyle Hicks had some good runs too. Um, but if he wasn't 100%, then I'll give him some slack, but man, I love me some Anderson. 
Well, let's go ahead and talk about the the key the issue that has um, been you know been been the issue for for a year and a half now almost, and that is Kenny Hill. So Jeremiah, I just kind of kind of want to frame this, give you this softball question. Give me a grade on Kenny Hill's game at Arkansas. All right, hear me out. Um, <laughs> what do we, we have like a nine-page thread on this on Hornfrog Blitz. Yes, I you know I like what Kenny's doing as far as his mentality. Um, I feel like he's I feel like he's he's going to be okay. I really do. Um, I am a little concerned about Kenny Hill throwing the deep ball. And I, I believe what they're, what he's doing basically is his inability to connect deep. Now, he did have one to Jalen Rager. The Rager should have hauled in. And if you ask Rager that, he'll tell you the same thing. But he missed on a couple of balls down the field. To me, it, when that's happening, he's limiting the offense to what they can do because then the safeties can move up. They don't worry about the deep ball. All of a sudden, your little short out routes aren't working as much. Your little short passing game suffers a little bit. Because they don't fear the deep pass, and and that was something that early on last year he had. He could get the ball down the field, and I don't know what's happened with his accuracy down the field, but it's it's really lacking right now. I'd give him right now probably a B minus, and I, I say that because I still think he's got the intangibles to be a good quarterback if he's smart, just takes care of the football, you know, runs it whenever he gets a chance. Uh, he had some good and good runs that, that mattered um, that got first downs. Uh, he brings that element to the game. Uh, he's, I, I think he can be a good quarterback for this team. I really do, but he's got to figure out a way to hit some of those plays down the field. He missed Rager again from his own end zone at about midfield would have been about a 95 yard touchdown. Um, he just overthrew him and you've got to connect on those. And I, I feel like we saw some flashes from the offense and I, I feel like, you see that the offense has a chance to be special. They just got to clean a couple of things up. But he's going to have to hit some hit, hit some shots down the field, or other teams are just going to not respect that part of, of the, the game, and they're going to they're just going to cheat up, and it's going to make it really difficult for them to move the ball. That is going to be a non-ringing endorsement. I'm just going. <laughs> I loved all of the qualifications that you gave to that. Uh, clean up a few of the messes. Uh, he has the potential to still be a successful quarterback, and I kind of agree with everything you said. I kind of I, I agree with with your entire assessment. And the the key issue there is if those safeties are being able to are able to cheat up because we can't stretch the field, or they know that Kenny Hill is erratic when we're throwing the ball vertical, that's going to hurt us down the road. And and that's kind of the ongoing debate, ongoing discussion that I think may may continue until Kenny Hill is no longer the quarterback at TCU. Well, let's throw it to the the king of our podcast, Jeremy Clark. Jeremy, give us your grade and your assessment of Kenny Hill from the Arkansas game. Uh, How do I sound, guys? You sound great, man. Okay. Well, I'm kind of thrown off here a second. Uh, He was kind of just a managing quarterback. He didn't make great throws. He didn't make horribly bad throws he had some plays where i'm sure he wanted to take back obviously the interception was not a good throw um he could have led Cavante turpin a little bit better better on that pass but you know it's it's one of those things where he he kind of just threw into a uh a well-covered Cavante turpin on that play um overall i think he just managed the game they didn't ask him to do too much they didn't uh 
want him to put the game on his shoulders and win the game. And it was really one of those deals in the first half. I know we had some discussion on the board about it. I don't think Gary Patterson trusts Kenny at the end of the first half. You had, I know he's been a guy that it drives TCU fans nuts because he leaves those first half timeouts always up there. If, if they're leading in the first half, it drives uh, fans mad, but they had three timeouts left when Arkansas was forced to punt and you had well over two minutes left when TCU's offense was getting that ball back. And at that point, TCU's holding their lead, but I don't think, I don't think Gary trusted Kenny to make a throw. I don't think he trusted him to lead the defense, the offense down to try to make a score. And that's, what's frustrating sometimes because you'll have a, you'll have an offense where they want to, they want to run the ball and, I mean, pass the ball, but they run the ball and they get 10 yards and all of a sudden we're calling timeouts. And and that's one of the things that uh, really just moving forward, I think if they really trust Kenny, you're going to see him have a chance to go out and throw the football a little bit more. But I think it was uh, an average performance. That's what I gave him on his grades today when I graded the offense. It wasn't it wasn't bad. It wasn't good. Kind of average. And, uh, you know, he'll he'll probably come to a game later on the season where he's going to be asked to do a little bit more. But thankfully, he had a good running game behind him on Saturday. There yeah, could I have think been the key, several more interceptions. Yeah, there could have. There was a dropped INT, and I think there could have been another one. But that's Kenny Hill. I'm, and there's no telling how, how much confidence that if, if Jalen catches that long touchdown pass, how much confidence that would have given – both Kenny and and the offense moving forward, but it's it's one of those things where everyone's asking about Sonny calling the offense. Is he going to run the football more? Is he going to run the football? You got to look at it as we're going to do what you know the offense is going to do what the defense dictates them to do. And on Saturday, it was them running the football. The offensive line was just wearing down Arkansas's defense, and that's what they had to do: just run the football. And I know TCU fans all over the place were happy with that offense. Yeah, they were. There was a lot of excitement about our ability to just take the ball and run run people over with it. So that's that's a big takeaway, something to be proud of from this game that the Frogs got right. You know, let's swivel over to the other side of the ball. It was it was great to see the Frogs, you know, not not pitch a shutout, but only give up one touchdown to Arkansas, and it was it was on a long play early in the game, and everything after that was just punt, 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 or a, or a field goal that clanged off the goalpost, which did my heart well. You know, if we flip over and assess the other side of the ball. Jeremy, what do you, what did you see the defense has done right? Not just in, in in this game, but in two games. What are the upward trends that you see on defense that have really kind of reestablished the TCU defense nationally? I, I've lost track of how many national stories have have mentioned. You know, hey, Gary Patterson's got that TCU defense back. What are we getting right? Well, I mean, they're very very fast on defense. I mean, this is one of the fastest defenses I've ever seen them have uh, since Gary's been the head coach and. They do a really good job of pursuing to the football. And it was like the same thing against Jackson State they did against Arkansas. It was like the defense is so aware of what Arkansas was running on Saturday that they were to the spot before the running backs were. Um, there was a couple plays where Arkansas tried to run a screen and the, and the defensive line just did a great job of swallowing that up. I mean, they, there was nothing it seemed except for the play-action passes early in the first half that really fooled the defense. And that's something that, they've showed in the first two games, they're not getting fooled like they were last year. They're not, uh, falling bait to, to, to deep passes over and over. And granted Jackson state and Arkansas doesn't have that deep threat. That's that 
Oklahoma State's going to have, that Oklahoma and some of those other uh, prominent Big 12 programs. Hold but on, what I, they're doing on defense is pretty – I just want to say I love that you just compared Oklahoma or Arkansas and Jackson State in one category and Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. And <laughs> I, just, I just wanted to note that. Go right ahead. Hey, you know, that's – Arkansas is a little bit better. I mean, they did, they did, you know, David Williams got more yards rushing the football than Jackson state got the whole game. So that's, that's pretty special for the Razorbacks. If, if they want to take some positives away from that game, but <laughs> you know, just, just overall, I mean, that, that is uh, the, the, the defense just through the first two weeks, they, they've really just played smart defense and, and you, you add that with their ability, their athletic ability and their speed on defense. It's a great recipe to have a great defense and I, I mean right now they're they're playing as as good as defense as I've seen them play in the last few years and uh it's really special now they're going to get a test this week against SMU because SMU is going to throw the football around they got Cortland Sutton who loves to come out and do good thing or bad things against TCU in the fans mind but hey, I mean he's uh always going to have some animosity toward TCU for never offering him and he wanted to go to TCU so bad but now he's doing great things over at SMU, but the defense is uh, through the first two weeks. I think they're really the, the story of the football program right now. Yeah. Other than uh, David Williams, the defense really kicked them right in the tooth. That's great. So fitting, so fitting for the pig people. Well, if you take away the, I mean, that last drive, they had a 20 yard rush by Austin Allen. They had a 20 yard pass. It was funny on the sidelines because you could tell that Arkansas was really trying to score late in that game to make the score look better. And it was, it was, I put this note on one of my stories that it was, it was as if Gary Patterson's like, uh, hell no, you're not going to score on my defense. We're going to start throwing some blitzes at you. And, And it was, it was really cool to see. Uh, Gary starts sending some of those blitzes when he knew that Arkansas was going trying. They're throwing the football, trying to score on them. And once he decided, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna mess with Austin Allen a little bit. They immediately threw three incomplete passes, and then he got sacked by Corey Bethley on fourth down. So that was pretty cool to see that that uh, Coach Patterson wasn't gonna call off the dogs just yet. I love seeing that. That was great, Corey Bethley. We're gonna talk about him in a second. Oh, what a what a great game he had. Daniel, just real quick, what's your take? What did the defense do right? Speed, baby. <laughs> uh, definitely. All right, we're going we're gonna to take that as your summary judgment of the defense. Uh, let's Can take I a look at a couple. Jeff, real quick. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to throw it to you. Go ahead. Go ahead. And real quick, I just wanted to say the defensive line, to me, has been the difference um, from last year. They're keeping the linebackers and the secondary clean. Guys, the offensive line is not able to get to the second level and really do, you know, take those guys out of the equation. So the defensive line is holding the point of attack, and you're seeing the linebackers and safeties fly up and make a lot of tackles for loss and just wreak complete havoc on the offense. So kudos to the defensive line. I mean, obviously they're bigger, stronger this year, but they really seem to be working really well together as a unit. They're able to rotate eight or nine guys, and that right there is, to me, has been the difference. Ben Banigou, man, yeah, he's, been he's done good first two weeks. He's a bad boy. I love watching him off the edge. One of the other guys I watched during the, the – especially the first half was was Ross Blacklock because he's 
in, in my mind, his his ceiling is is just unlimited. And you know, he's not gonna he's not gonna make big stats in the in this in the record book in terms of oh, he got this tackle or got that sack. You go watch him; he just demands two players and pre snap attention every single time he's on the field. And he was lining up multiple times over the center in that in that a gap on the strong side, and he was just eating up two blockers every time. And that that's gonna free up Bethley. That's gonna keep the linebackers clean, like you mentioned. Ross Bladlock is doing great things, even if he's not going to get any ESPN highlights. And that's exactly what we did not have last year. That's not what we've had for the last two years. It was great to see Ross Blacklock be able to do that. Jeremiah, you mentioned Corey Bethley. Is there anybody else on defense that you saw that was a player we need to recognize or anybody we want to go deeper on in terms of what they did right on the defensive side of the ball? There's actually a couple of guys. Um, I, I feel like Ben Banigui, like Jeremy kind of touched on there, is really starting to come into his own. You know, talking to him after the game, uh, he feels like his pass rush is not quite where he wants it yet, but he thinks it's it's, it's coming along pretty nicely. And uh, that's a guy that I think is just going to continue to get better. Um, like he said in the postgame, that environment was nothing for him. You know, he played in a couple of SEC stadiums when he played at Louisiana Monroe. Um, I love Ben Banigou's game, and I think he's going to just get better and better. But, man, give it up for Ennis Gaines. I, he hasn't, to me, had – quite the reps yet to make a big splash but when he's in there you notice him he just flashes on that screen you see his speed you see his power he comes up and lays big hits and he he popped austin allen when austin allen tried to break away and scramble and i really don't know how he got up from that hit he just blasted him and and i love the way he he plays he just plays like all like his hair's on fire and, and that's what you want to see from big athletic safeties and i think he's the next great one in the line of great great safeties that tcu's had the safeties are really playing good right now. I mean, Nico Small, there was a couple times. It's like he was reading the clippings because there was a couple times Nico Small was flying up to the line of scrimmage and just trying to take on anyone he could take on. It's like everyone It's like everyone told him, hey, you know what? You're too small to play against Arkansas. Let, a, let the front six or seven guys get, get the tackle. And he just came flying up and, and was making some plays. Ridwan made some plays. I mean, that, the, the safeties are really playing good along with Ennis, along with Nick, other than the 49 yard touchdown they gave up early in the game. They played phenomenal. Yeah, I completely agree. I love seeing Nico and Ennis Gaines out there. He, our safeties have played well and, and played strong. And I, I think that that's a, a real upgrade from, from the last two seasons. We don't, we, we didn't have a Derek Kendrick last year. And I feel like people are really still coach Patterson's phrase are growing up into that position, and that's what's going to make this defense click and go to the next level that we need to compete for the Big 12 title. Daniel, anybody else you saw on the defensive side of the ball that we haven't mentioned yet that's worth noting? Well, by the time you get around to me, you've already talked about everyone I was going to talk about. Um, well, that was the plan. Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Speed, baby. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, I, I, in this games um, – I did want to bring up um, because he popped Austin Allen, and then he—I think it—he either it was him and Sammy Douglas who got that fumble on the uh, kickoff return, right there at the end. Yeah, Yeah, he forced it. it. Yeah, Yeah. forced it. I was hoping it was Garrett Wallow because that was my bold prediction, but and I saw the replay, I saw who it was, but anyway. Um, yeah, our our bold predictions didn't go too well this week. Jalen Austin did not have a hundred yards receiving. <clears throat> we should do that on our podcast. We should uh, check our predictions, see what we got. That'd be interesting. 
um, except for this week. I think a know. lot of us predicted Kenny Hill was going to have a good game. Yes, I did. I had him up for over 300 yards passing. I think I had him going for 230. I might have missed the mark by one or two yards on that one. <laughs> yeah, I missed it. Up. I missed it by like a mile and a half. I missed it by, by a mile. But hey, we scored some points, so that's kind of all that matters. So, uh, well, before we move on, uh, let's let's go ahead and let's have some honest assessment here. We're not just total homers. Well, we kind of are total homers. What are some causes of concern from this game? What when you watch this game and you're just trying to look at it as an objective fan, which we all are. What what's something that concerns you? What's something that you're like, hey, we have to fix this if we're going to beat Oklahoma State. We have to beat this. We have to fix it if we're going to beat West Virginia. What are some, what are one or two takeaways from the game? Let's start with you, Daniel. I don't want you to feel overlooked. What what are some concerns from this game? Oh, now I don't have an answer. Um, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, I, the passing game, um, like we were talking about earlier, if you. Uh, if you can't pass and you don't trust Kenny Hill to be able to throw the ball, then you don't have that threat. And there goes, you know, so many opportunities you have to, uh, to move the ball. They're just going to, you know, uh, the safety is going to move up and you're not going to be able to do much. So that's, that's something that I had concern with. And I felt like they didn't trust Kenny in that game. Uh, they let him do it a couple times, but he made some, you know, not so good throws, and he made some throws into wild coverage uh, that I didn't think were very smart. Um, so I think I'm kind of on the fence about – I'm kind of on the Sean, Sean Robinson, uh, let's just use him, uh, train kind of thing. Sort of. Hmm. That's interesting. I'm just going to be curious to see that the way that unfolds. No, that is that's going to be one of the issues. I almost want to just I almost just want to unleash him against SMU to get him lots of experience and, and under. You know, Daniel does make a good point because I know a lot of people were waiting to see what Kenny Hill looked like looked like against Arkansas. Um, and if you're if you're grading his Arkansas performance, you kind of you kind of do raise a question about whether or not. Sean Robinson could see some more snaps against SMU, but I, I personally am not ready to see that yet, but I want to see what Kenny does against SMU first. Yeah. Well, you know, we'll get around here to talk about some more issues, but you know, I, with this game behind us, we're two and zero. hopefully we beat SMU, which we're going to get into in a second. The real challenge is, is in two weeks when we go to Stillwater. And when we, if we come into big 12 play with a loss, a loss to a team that is going to be above us in the rankings, probably that I think is got one of the best quarterbacks in the country and Mason Rudolph. I think then we can start to ask the question, how do we legitimately integrate Sean Robinson into the offense as part of the first half scheme after we maybe take a loss to Oklahoma State. But if we beat Oklahoma State, that's something we've never done. Trevon Boykin never won at Oklahoma State. If Kenny Hill can win at Oklahoma State, then we just keep riding that train as long as we can. So that's that's my assessment of what we do in terms of the quarterback play. You know, we can complain about Kenny Hill, but he's two and zero. That's good. That's 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 better than being zero and zero and two. Is better than being one and one. Jeremiah, what's some of the con- uh, cause for concern that you have from watching the Arkansas game? You know, I don't want to sound like a homer, like you like to say, but I really don't think there's a ton to fix there. Um, You take away the mistakes. Was it a big mistake when they fumbled on the three? Sure. I mean, it was a huge impact play, and that could have really just buried Arkansas right there. Um, But if that play is made, and if, if, you know, Jalen Rager makes that catch, I know it's a couple of ifs, but you're very close to this being a 42-7 to type game, you know? And so – 
I think they're right there. And then I asked Coach Patterson, you know, it's a good win. You know, you went on the road in the SEC and got a win, but do you feel like you got plenty of teaching points out of this this game? And he said, of course. And that's what, you know, that he likes that. And so I'm still seeing something from Coach P that I haven't seen um, maybe ever since I've been, you know, covering this team. He's just got a confidence about him. He, It's like he couldn't find anything bad to say about any of his players or any of the plays after the game. And I'm just – I'm trying to get used to this because it's – usually there's like this game that he plays to try to keep his guys in line. But it's like he feels like he doesn't have to do that with this group. These guys know every game is one game, then it's on to the next game. They've, they're already – they were every one of those guys could not wait to get back and look at film of SMU. They're like, yeah, it's a good win, but we're ready for SMU. And so it just shows a maturity. And, and so to me, I don't think there's a lot to fix. I, I just think it's maybe a tweak here, a tweak there. Connect on one or two passes down the field, I think it completely changes the offense and the way people view the offense. So um, has Kenny Hill been a little rough around the edges throwing the ball down the field? Yes, but I think that you hit one or two plays that changes the narrative, and and I really don't – just keep doing what you're doing on defense. You're about to get a dose of a lot – you know, teams that can pass a lot, a lot better starting this week with SMU um, and then obviously Oklahoma State. So we'll see how good this defense really is as a complete defense, not just – stopping the run you know so we're about to find out but i i just as of right now i just i can't critique too much i i, I like what i see and i like the potential that i see jeremy anything you want to add on the concerns from the arkansas game oh yeah there's there's a lot of <laughs> concerns i have this it's a i'm gonna kind of go the other direction yeah i've i've been really impressed with what tcu's done so far um, but I'm going to look at Arkansas's defense. I'm going to say that they're young, and it, and it really concerns me some of the throws that – or not really just the throws, but the the decisions and the throws that Kenny's making. Um, obviously, the throw to Jalen Rager was a great throw by him. Jalen should have caught that. But if you go back and look at the fourth quarter where he had a wide open John DeArce, and luckily John DeArce is a smart enough kid to come back and draw that pass interference. He was a good three, four yards behind his defensive back. And if that's a good throw, that's a that's a walk-in touchdown for them. There's another time where our Arkansas receiver had his his hands completely on the football and he just dropped the interception. So there was there was a few times where you kind of raised a suspicion about Kenny and his decision making as he as he really moved on from last year. That's that's gonna be a concern. Because that was the that was the first true test. Jackson State, they have a pulse. I mean, that's that's as much as a football team as they have. They those kids have a pulse. But other than that, Jackson Jackson State was not a good barometer of how good Kenny can be. Um, Arkansas was a little bit better barometer because he's facing against SEC defensive backs, linebackers, and he did average. So when you move forward and, and play in a, a, a team against uh, – a game against Oklahoma State and Oklahoma and, and the Kansas States as the season progresses, that's always going to be a concern until he has that one game where he goes out and when they ask him to do something more than just manage a game, when they tell him, listen, our running game is getting shattered. We can't, we can't run the football two yards. Kenny, we got to ride your arm. He hasn't shown that to me yet. He might have shown that to some of y'all, but he hasn't shown that to me yet. So I'm 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 concerned with him moving forward. I'm concerned, and another thing that's also part of the passing game is the size at receiver for TCU. Where has Taj Williams been? Where has Emmanuel Porter been? Where's those red zone receivers, the six three, six four guys 
that TCU has relied on the past few years down in the red zone. Those guys haven't been anywhere the first two games. I mean, Emmanuel had a touchdown against Jackson State, but where was he yesterday? There's got to be so a reason that, for that. So that's a concern though. going forward. Defense, I'm fine with the defense. The the play action concerns me a little bit, but they did a great job against a big offensive line and a big team. And I I, I talked bad about Austin Allen and how he shredded TCU's defense last year, but he went on and led the SEC in passing last year with over 3,400 yards. So it's not like he's not a good quarterback. He, he ended up being a really good quarterback. So they did very well against a good passing quarterback yesterday. Uh, I'm I'm thinking they're going to have a really good secondary this year. But the, the thing that concerns me to finish this is the special teams. Adam Nunez as a punter, was not good at all yesterday. Ooh, he was not was, good. He averaged that was rough. 30 yards. Yeah, he averaged 30 yards per punt. Mm. And that's a big thing for their defense. You've got to be able to flip the field. So he's got to be able to punt the ball a little bit better. And lastly, the fact that Jonathan Song has not attempted a field goal concerns oh. me just because just because if it comes down to a situation where he's got so much pressure on him to make a kick through eight quarters, we haven't had a TCU kicker line up and kick a field goal. So a little bit more think yeah you know, I, I know it's some of this is just small things right now but it is a concern of mine moving forward as the season progresses because these things haven't really happened yet see the cost of the bad snap and the missing Jalen Rager and then the Jalen Rager drop is we don't put ourselves in a position to kick a field goal you can't kick a field goal in that spot when you're worried about it getting blocked when you're winning by one touchdown because we could get a block and some DB can pick it up and go 72 yards. When we, right. we, we cost ourselves, I mean, we, it really hurt us that we, put, we didn't put ourselves in a position to kick a field goal. And, yeah, I don't want to go to Stillwater with Jonathan Song never hitting anything more than an extra point. And it's like, oh, there's four seconds left, and we're trotting out Jonathan Song to hit a 47-yard field goal against the win in Stillwater to win the game. That's not good. <laughs> That is not good. I'm going to go ahead and concur with you, Jeremy. I, I do have some of those concerns. We can't throw the ball down the field. That's a given. I mean, like, that's just part of our offensive scheme, and somebody's going to make us pay for that pretty quick. I don't know if it's SMU, but I think it's going to, I think that's going to be a tougher game than we, than we give them credit for. And, you know, we, we, we have a hard time throwing the ball down the field, and we have quality players that have disappeared. And it, that is Taj Williams, and I don't know what's going on there. That that is Emmanuel Porter, and then you got Tyslanina hurt again, who's Mister Dependability. He's dependable to catch, and he's dependable to get hurt every season. It feels like, and th- those are really causes for concern to me that we, we we can't stretch the field, and we don't have anybody over six foot that can go get it. I mean, I love Des White as much as anybody, but he shouldn't be leading the team in receptions. If he does, great, but that means that we're not stretching the field. That means we're going to run some crossing patterns and an out pattern or a bubble screen. So that's something that does bother me. I, you know, people say, oh, you can run the ball and not worry about that. That's not the case. We're not going to be able to win nine games um, as a Big 12 team if we can't get the ball down the field vertically because there's going to come a time where we've got to go 72 yards in 90 seconds, and if we're not built to do that, we're going to pay a heavy price for it. And Des White nearly turned it over twice. Uh, the, luckily, the ball went you know, out of bounds over that boundary uh, before an anarchy guy could grab it. I think that was twice. Um, and I don't know if they were, yeah, stripped or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Um, that was Sean. That was a Sean Nixon play that was in the fourth quarter. He got that little twenty-two yarder. Oh, that's right. Out it of was. Bounds. 
fumbled out of bounds on the four. Well, yes. never mind. that's when you know right there. Maybe the, that's when you know right there. Maybe the lucky bounces are going toward TCU this year. That's you know, there's always got to be lucky bounces somewhere, fellas. That was lucky because I thought that was another red zone turnover. I was going to make me bang my head against the wall. Yeah, I forgot what it's like to have bounces go your way. It's been a while. <laughs> no kid. That's been loving. Hey, if you want to know what it felt, what it what it was like when TCU had that botch snap, just go back and listen to the to the play and, and listen to Patrick Morris' thoughts on it. <laughs> yeah, I heard that. Oh, was too. that who said that? I thought yeah. it was Kenny, but that's funny that's Patrick. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah, you hear this. <laughs> I didn't know that was him. I couldn't tell. Oh, yeah. Go back what, and what, listen. What happened, Jeremy? What, what happened on that play? I mean, it looks like he just – it looks like he almost thought Kenny should have been under center. And he snapped it right there where he thought he should be, and then, or he just sometimes the, I guess the ball gets stuck. Heck, my little peewee kids, when I'm in shot, when my kids are in shotgun, they they do those kind of snaps all the time, and we were like, "How in the world did you do that?" It's just some yeah. of the center mentalities. Yeah, I don't know, man. Yeah, well, Kenny after the game about that, and it was it was just a it just got snapped short and, and didn't ever quite make it to Kenny. And then I don't know if you noticed, but the player that was coming in motion, I didn't see who it was. They tried to dive on it Sean. and actually knocked it, knocked it away from Kenny, and that's how they ended up with it. So um, it was just kind of yeah, Sean was coming. He was coming on the motion, and and he saw he saw the play happen and tried to hurdle Kenny and kick the ball, kick the ball <laughs> even away from a little him. bit further. <laughs> well, it, was, know, it was one of them uh, Benny Hill moments almost. Yeah, you know. Well, I'll end this commentary with this statement that I played center a few times, and I can tell you from uh, – you know personally if the guy's under center versus in the shotgun, you can feel it. So if that guy's under center and he doesn't realize it, then not that uh, that's another – Not that there's anything wrong with that. That's right. That's <laughs> right. Well, let's flip gears here. Let's uh, let's switch gears here. Let's go to the SMU game. We got We got SMU coming up this week. We've got, we've got a home game at 2.30 on ESPNU, better than playing at 11. I wish it was at 7. Let's, I want to start with this question. Should TCU still be playing SMU? Because it gets brought up every year. But just real quick, one or two sentences. Should the Frogs and, and the Mustangs still be playing every single season? As long as SMU's being successful. I mean, with Chad Morris there, they've kind of started to – turn the program around. So, yeah, I think so. As long as they're successful, TCU, TCU should play them every year. I think so, too. But when they're when they're um, trending the way Baylor is right now, then I'd say no. But they're doing fine. And Chad Morris is going to be playing for the A&M job coming this week and the rest of the season. So they'll be good, I think. What do you think, Dan- Jeremiah? Yeah, no, I mean, as the, as things sit right now, yeah, I mean, I think they need to continue to play them. It, it, I think it's good for uh, to keep that rivalry going. Um, my concern is, like like Daniel said, Chad's playing for the Aggie job right now. So what happens when he builds them up just good enough to be somewhat competitive and he's gone? And then that cycle just continues for the Mustangs. And so um, will they ever actually be a legitimate bowl caliber team for three, four, five straight years? I don't know. Um they look they look pretty explosive this year, but this may be Chad Morse's last year there. So who knows? Uh, I like the I like the rivalry. I like the Dallas Fort Worth you know game um, matchup, and so 
I'd like to see it continue. I know there's a lot of people on the board that don't feel the same way, but I, I personally think it's 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 a good good rivalry that they need to keep it going. Yeah, it is good. Chad Morris, you know, he is fighting for the Aggie job he's playing, but he's never won more than five games. So I'll be interested to see if getting SMU to seven wins and then Aggie hiring a coach that won seven games at SMU would be the most Aggie hire ever. So I would be curious to see if he's able to succeed beyond uh, five games because he's never been able to do it. June Jones won more than more games than that at, at SMU. So good luck, Chad Morris, because I think you're going to get a big L this week. You're going to get handed a, a loss to the Frogs. So. Okay, I want to I want to jump into. Go ahead, buddy. Well, it's not that funny now, but I was reading on Baylor fans that now that that someone's going to get fired, they want to can rule and bring in someone, and I don't know. It was just stupid, but. <laughs> well, that's what we're going to dig in here. We're going to go around the rest of the Big Twelve because there's a there could be some coaching musical chairs, and there's plenty to laugh at. But the one thing from the Big Twelve that we have to talk about is the impact of of Oklahoma beating down Ohio State in the horseshoe. I don't know about you guys, if you watched it, but I, I watched every minute of that game, and I, I was glued to it. I, I was delighted to watch Oklahoma win in, in at Ohio State. I know that there's a, there's a difference between thinking that we live vicariously through another team in our conference. That's what Aggies do. But I, I like when the Big 12 does well outside of the conference minus one team. So, and it's all kind of gone to form on that front. Jeremiah, what did you think of that win by the, by the Sooners at? Um, we're going to talk about the flag plan in a minute, so don't go there. What did you think about the win for the Sooners at, at the Horseshoe? I'm trying to remember. There was somebody last week predicted an OU win. I was trying to, oh, yeah, that was me. I think I did say they were going to go in there and win that game. <laughs> I, I wasn't surprised. How do you like right now? How do you stop Baker Mayfield? Like I don't see how anybody can stop it. To me, he's the best player in college. Take him to a bar right in Fayetteville. Now. Yeah, that'll do it. <laughs> that'll do it. Hey, to me, he's the best player in college football right now. And Oklahoma's scary looking. They they look like a really dangerous team right now. Um, and the other part of that equation was I was not that impressed with Ohio State to begin with. I felt like they were overrated. Um, and I think that kind of showed out a little bit. But we'll see. I mean, that Oklahoma's always going to have athletes, but I don't know if you guys got a chance to see Trey Sermon, the freshman. Very impressive kid. Um, they just continue to, to put athletes out there. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I, I still like my pick of Oklahoma and o- Oklahoma State in a Big 12 championship game, but who knows, man. I had picked Oklahoma State, but right now Oklahoma looks like the dominant team. But that was a great win for the conference. You know, it was really it was a good weekend for the conference. And, and that was that was definitely the one that uh, that got the most notoriety. Jeremy, when you talk to uh, writers from other boards in the Big 12 and outside of the Big 12, I mean, let's be honest, our, our reputation has kind of taken a beating, for better or for worse. I think some of it is justified. I think some of it's narrative. But what what is the impact of Oklahoma winning over the number two team on the road for the whole Big 12? I think it's good. I think it's good as long as they keep winning. If you go all the way through the season and there sits Oklahoma, there maybe uh, no losses or one loss. You've got to go back and look at that win at Ohio State, and that was that was not a uh, so-called close win for them. They went up there and just really after it was thirteen to ten, Oklahoma just went on a run and just started opening up the can on them. I mean, it was it was not even close. They were playing good on both sides of the football. Anyone from a national perspective and 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 of course Big Twelve perspective that watched that game, they have to believe that Oklahoma is one of the 
top two teams in this country. I mean, it, it's it's no doubt, like Jeremiah said, Baker Mayfield might be the best player in college football right now. The offense is moving. Their offensive line is huge. They've got uh, a really good set of receivers. They've got some guys that uh, can run the football. The the true freshman Jeremiah mentioned was running the football well. The, the receiver that transferred from Kentucky – that guy might be as fast as Turpin. I mean, he is he is so flashy. I think his name was Sadit. Um, but I didn't realize that kid had those kind of wheels. And that's that's something that opened my eyes a little bit because I was thinking, okay, well, they lost Westbrook. They lost uh, their running backs. So they might have a down year on offense. Let's remember, this was Lincoln Riley's first big game as a head coach. And he goes up there and beats the number two team in the country. But uh, perception wise, I, I do think this helps the league a little bit. Texas obviously bounced back last week. TCU did a great job of going up into SEC country and, and getting a dominating win. So the big 12, unless you're just those knuckleheads I talked about a few weeks ago, no matter how good the big 12 does, they're always going to say it's overrated, but I really, I really don't think you can look at it this week and say the big 12 is overrated because they just went up and did uh did their thing against two of the better teams from uh these so-called big time power five conferences so good job for the big 12 good job big 12 good job big 12 that was a great win for the conference in my opinion i was i don't live vicariously through the centers but man it is nice to know that you know what it you know the best team in our conference at the moment beat the best team in the big 10 and did it pretty decisively and it could have been a whole lot worse they could have had 45 50 points if a couple of bounces had gone their way and they didn't go their way and they still beat them by double digits that was great to watch oklahoma win especially i love watching urban meyer get beat by a kid that's like what 32 years old that made me feel really good i cannot stand Urban Meyer. As I was watching the game, they come to the end. They interview Rick and Riley on the field. Then, of course, they interview Baker Mayfield. They ask him how he feels. Of course, he felt disrespected. He played with a chip on his shoulder. He goes straight from that interview over to the band where they played the Oklahoma fight song. And then he gets a flag. He picks up a huge red OU flag that a cheerleader runs onto the field. And he takes a victory lap around the horseshoe, and then he goes out to midfield. I'm sure you've seen this, where you got the big scarlet red O, and he attempts to plant the flag in the middle of the horseshoe to symbolize their victory over Oklahoma, over Ohio State. I've read a lot of people. Some people are, you know, there's no middle ground on this. I've had a lot of people tweet me and say that was awful. Gary Patterson would have bashed a guy in the head if he did that. A few other people said, go for it, man. Anything we can do to help our conference out is, is great. Daniel, what did you think of watching Baker Mayfield literally plant the flag in Columbus? I think he needs to learn um, that you can't plant a PVC pipe into artificial turf. Because um, <laughs> it just fell over and it looked stupid. No, I I have mixed feelings because um, I'm biased against him anyway because he's a gigantic d bag, um, but I I kind of like it because I want to shove it in Ohio State's face. I hate them. I hate Urban Meyer. He looks like a rat, um, literally, and <laughs> I, he does. His face looks like a rat, and uh, <laughs> he. I just, but at the same time, yeah, Gary Patterson wouldn't put up with that. I like to have, you know, you didn't win the Super Bowl. You you won handedly uh, against you know a dominating, te- you know, just in the recent years, dominating team. But um, 
to run around the whole stadium and then go out to the middle and plant. It's just, I don't know, it feels like a little excessive, but at the same time, it's kind of a flipping the bird to them. And it, it, when I think of it that way, it, it feels right. I like that part. So I, I got mixed feelings. Yeah, if somebody on our team did it, I don't know that I'd be happy, but I'm glad he did it. I'll just say that because it, it, it did. It felt like a big, you know, kind of a cathartic moment for a lot of us that are tired of watching our conference get disrespected. And I was like, go for it, buddy. Now we're going to we're going to we're going to beat you down. But man, that that felt good. I, I, I'm not going to lie. That felt good. I didn't want it to happen by a TCU player. I think Gary Patterson would have just annihilated somebody that tried it. But when he was doing, when he was running out there, I was like, oh, man, I hope he plants the flag. I hope he plans, tries to plant that flag in the ground. I was I was kind of cheering him on from my couch. So good, good win for the Sooners. Good win for the rest of the conference. Let's go ahead and change gears here to our friends that are 90 miles south of us. Daniel, what's your guttural response to watching Baylor get beat by University of Texas, San Antonio? Yeah, pretty much that. Uh, Baylor Bears are 0-2. They schedule cupcakes like they've done for the beginning of the, uh, the Bryles era. They lost to Liberty, which is an online school, and they lost to Baylor, or they lost to UTSA, which started their football program like what eight, 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 ten weeks ago. So the Baylor has gotten beat again. I know we're supposed to cheer for our conference, but I always give one exception, and it's I just can never cheer for Baylor in, in anything. Oh, no. no way, no way at all. I, I know you guys they probably didn't get to see this game, but what what does this say about the state of the Baylor program? They suck. I I think now I I would go to Vegas and make a bet that they don't win more than two games. I I think it's a lot worse than people predicted. I know everyone thought they were going to have a down year, but I don't think anyone could have imagined that they were going to struggle this bad. Now, UTSA, granted, they just started their program eight to ten weeks ago, Jeff, but they did make a bowl game. Um, I know. And Frank I, and Wilson and is a great coach. Our very, our very own, our very own Daniel Southern predicted this last week, and yes, I followed suit. Right. I think, right. I think every, I think everyone, I think everyone on here actually thought UTSA was going to beat Baylor, but I don't, I don't think, uh, I don't think anyone could have imagined that it was going to be this bad. I mean, they're playing a lot of young guys. They're playing Tristan Ebner at running back right now, and that is playing a kid out of position. They just look bad on defense. Quarterback play looks horrible. It's it's going to be a very very long year for them. It really is. Duke is going to mop the floor with them, and that it's is going to be very hilarious. bad. Very they bad annihilated a good what I thought was going to be a really good Northwestern team. They got they Northwestern returned a lot of starters, and they just whoo they smoked them, smoked them. Yeah, I th- I I don't think Baylor's going to win four games. They'll probably I don't they might be Kansas. Maybe Kansas will beat them. The Iowa State's going to beat them. You know. Texas Tech is going to beat them, so they they could we'll literally what, lose every game this season, and I, that's just amazing. That is that would be the biggest fall that you could imagine. It's it's a self imposed penalty. We don't need the NCAA. Baylor is back to where they were. And so well if you really want to go ahead, Jeremiah, God, it's well deserved. That's all. <laughs> that yeah, is. It's, it's, hey, this is just like getting a penalty if you go out and go zero and twelve. That's just oh, as it bad. is. It is just it as is bad, and that's. Yeah, yeah, that'll 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 be just as bad because they they they'll have to fill those recruiting classes with kids that they don't even want. So 
That is just as bad. If you really want to read like the bottom of the internet, like the comments from the conspiracy theory sites, go read one of the Baylor fan sites. I mean, they you can find some glorious comments on those pages. Not that I've sought them out about how now is the time to bring Bryles back because he's not been convicted of anything in, in the court of law and nobody else is going to hire him. So why shouldn't we hire him? So I think that that is uh, that is full that is full Baylor Aggie right there with comments. I've also like that. read that um, the uh, the Board of Regents' plan to bring down Baylor football is now complete. They finally finished taking down the best thing that ever happened to the school, which makes perfect sense. <laughs> yeah, building a quarter of a billion dollar stadium on loan and then firing the person that basically built it for un, for no reason. That's 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 the leadership of these people that made millions of dollars that got appointed to those boards. That's that's their plan. That's right. Yeah. Anything else around the big t- after that would be to go from power 5 to a group of 5. Yes. That would really Which they might go really, ahead. Yeah. That could yeah, happen. I'm fine with that. If the Big 12 fall apart, they're the last team to get invited by anybody in my opinion at the moment. So. Oh yeah. There's Yellow no doubt. No doubt about it. You know, people say Iowa State. Iowa State put sixty-two thousand people in the stands, and that's a great university. I mean, they, yeah, it's Iowa State over Baylor all day. Hey, Anything else back. around the Big Twelve? They, yeah, Texas. Is go back. ahead, Jeremiah. Yeah, Texas is back. back. So Texas yeah. beat San Jose State. Everybody can take a deep breath. Big Twelve is going to be okay because Texas is officially back. Hey, they did that behind the true freshman quarterback. Was, well, I'll put you this was, way. They're about to get embarrassed next week. Or do they have an off week before they go to USC? Because, you know. No, they go to USC next so week. So they, Boo Shell's not going to you care to uh, change your prediction? You know, if Shane was, play, if Bouchelle was playing, I still would go with them. I don't know why. I think Herman, I, I, I believe in Herman more than some of their fans do right now. I think he's a great coach, and I think he's going to turn them around, and they're going to win. And his track record is he can beat Oklahoma, he can beat uh, Florida State, he can beat Louisville, but he can't beat SMU. Or Memphis. So I would not be yeah, or, or Navy. Memphis or Navy. I would, or Maryland. I would not be surprised if he goes, yeah, or Maryland. <laughs> That's right. hey, I'm going to tell you right now, Navy's tough to beat. Yeah, they are. Oh, they are. They That's are. spinning offense, misdirection. Oh, oh man. If how I could teach like some, my fourth grade team how to run that offense, golly. Yeah. How would you like your knees to get it. cut blocked by a 270-pound service personnel all day? <laughs> no, it wouldn't be, a, wouldn't be a fun day. No, thank hey, you. Hey, besides Texas, we, we all predicted Iowa State was going to give Iowa a run for their money, and I'll be danged if they almost didn't pull off a good, a good win. They, they lost in overtime. Oh, um, they had that game. I mean, they had I'm, that game. I'm telling you. Iowa State's going to be a team to reckon with. I, mean, I think Matt Campbell is a is another great coach for the Big 12. Um, he'll he'll turn that program around now. Are they going to go out and win a college football playoff? Probably not, but he, I think he can get them to the point where they're a consistent 7-8-9 win team, um, which is pretty good for Iowa State. He's got a lot of those fans believing in him up there. He's got the players believing in him. And, um, man, they, they almost pulled it off. I don't think very many people were – giving them a chance to, to defeat Iowa, certainly not the Hawkeye fans, but Matt Campbell, just keep an eye out for him. Yeah, I got it. I'm a big Matt Campbell fan, big Matt Campbell fan. I'll be curious to see and, what they're uh, able to do the rest of the year. For, for those keeping a record at home, uh, Kenny Hill threw the ball 31 times and Peyton Bender for Kansas threw the ball over 60 times. So, oh. That might answer the question on who was not wanting to run the football last year, maybe. 
Yeah. The, and Kansas got beat by Central Michigan. Is that right? Yeah. Central Michigan's a pretty decent team. Remember, that's the team that got the untimed down last year at Oklahoma State. State. But that's when they had in a, in a, so in a game, in a, in a play that should have never happened, but they still were able to complete a Hail Mary and stinking score on it. I mean, I don't know how that happened, but Central Michigan's not a bad team. See, that's, I'm still surprised, though, because they were good with Cooper Rush for four years as their quarterback. He's now the backup for the Dallas Cowboys. I did not expect them to be able to maintain that. So I'm not saying beating Kansas is maintaining a level of dominant play, but they look like they're still a bowl team. So that's Oh yeah, most definitely. They've got some so, weapons, man. Central Michigan's got some weapons. So Central Michigan has two wins in two Big Twelve games in the last season. Two seasons. Uh-huh. Which will could could be more than Baylor has in the next two years. Yes. Exactly. That's just wanted to throw that out there. Yeah, I just thought I'd throw that out there. And so if I we do expand, Kansas, Central Michigan would be an upgrade. Kansas does have some athletes. They they have they have the works of something promising, but um, it it's probably going to be another year process for them to get to where they want to get to. And that is a bowl game right now. Um, so winning five or six games is probably not this year, next year. They're they're – their defense is uh, really bad, but somehow or another, I'm sure when they play TCU, it'll be like a 21 to 18 type game. Oh, I'm going to go ahead and say we're going to blow them out this year. I think there's going to be some some uh, other forces and other factors in play. So, I think we will be just fine against Kansas this season. Uh, well, let's switch gears real quick here as we start to wrap up. Jeremy, tell us a little bit about uh, anything new on the recruiting front. Do we have a, any confirmed visitors for this week? And I know that those that visitor list expands during the week. Tell us where we can stay updated on that. Yeah, uh, right now I know Tejon Henry's coming in. Um, I'm trying to figure out if that's an official visit or not, but usually we'll get more of an idea later in the week around Wednesday or Thursday once coaches figure out what players are going to be able to come in town uh, for the game. But typically we update that list every every week, every home game when uh, uh, TCU has a home game on, on Horn Frog Blitz on our board, and we make that premium info for our subscribers, and it's really not out there. We don't tweet out who's coming up unless the kids themselves tweet it out. But um, there's, there's usually a, a good list of names that pop up for every home game. Jackson State was – kind of the exception um there wasn't really a, a a ton of players over there for that game just because it wasn't against a big time opponent but i think for smu you'll see probably see uh, more of the dfw local prospects coming into town just to catch out the action and you know see uh two teams go at it two undefeated two and oh teams uh try to take home the uh, uh iron uh, skillet well, somebody has to. I have nearly made this forgot joke, the name of the trophy. By the way, I nearly forgot the that's name. That's how of the trophy, important by the way. this rivalry is. <laughs> um, yeah, it's the same hey, name. Can I say SMU. though, like you know, SMU is playing better, and Cortland Sutton. They are. I'm. I'm telling you right now, they they did SMU's defense did give up 430, almost 430 passing yards last week to a five foot ten quarterback from North Texas. So that's going to be the measuring stick for all you Kenny Hill apologists. If Kenny doesn't go out and throw for at least 420 yards, he couldn't start at North Texas. All you Kenny Hill apologists. I'm kidding, guys. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Wow. I'm kidding. Um, Wow. No, I love Kenny. Kenny, Kenny's a good dude. 
Um, but that's, I'm just pointing out that, that Mason, fight, Mason, Mason fight from North Texas threw for, threw for over 400 yards. But Cortland Sutton had four touchdown catches last week, and he always likes to put it toward TCU, man. He, he, he's, he still holds that animosity for the Frogs not offering, and it's going to be a, a, a good test for Anthony Tejada. I'm, I'm looking forward to watching that battle. Now, what if in the draft – Baker Mayfield and Cortland Sutton go to the same team. Can you imagine the TCU chip on the shoulder those two guys could have in like a, a post-game interview? <laughs> yes, that'd be nice and we, on point. That would yeah. be great. That would be so on brand. That we would be owe great. all of our college success to the fact that Gary Patterson did not offer us. Yes, that is that is correct. So that that chip on their shoulder would be massive. So I just want to reiterate what, what Jeremy said, that if you're listening to this podcast, we're really grateful that you are. But if you're not subscribed to Horn, Block, Horn Frog Blitz, you need to. It is, it's got great content. It's got great uh, community. You're able to connect with some other frog fans. And then there's just little tidbits that, that, that are helpful to know, like, oh, I'm glad I know this about that player or this was something that was important to him during this recruiting process. And you're able to kind of start to draw the lines of who's on the field and how they ended up there. You know, I remember when we, when we landed Corey Bethley. That was just such a, a big commitment that we beat out Oklahoma, we beat out Texas A&M, and we landed him. And then he's gone out there these last two weeks and made an instant impact as a freshman. And so you wouldn't be surprised by that if you've been part of Horn Frog Blitz. So we'd love for you to sign up for our site and you're going to be able to get an even deeper dive into the guys that are making this an exciting season for the TCU Horn Frogs. Well, guys, I think we're going to start to wrap up here. We've hit an hour. We want to thank everybody that's listened so far. You guys got any closing thoughts before we wrap up this show? I have one uh, bit of recruiting uh, news. Well, just a little tidbit. Uh, Baylor had recruits at the stadium this past game. So that's hilarious. <laughs> Oh, that's great. Um, that's great. You got Daniel, that great how much would it, how much would, it, how, how much would someone have to pay you to go down to Baylor, wear a, a green and yellow shirt, and sit in the stands to watch one of their games where TCU's not playing? Um, I'm kind of strapped for cash, so I'd do it for like 50 bucks right now. <laughs> Every man has his price. What what if I told you you had to be in the green jersey Baylor line and then run out and play leapfrog from the forty to the goal line? What's your price? Uh, fifty bucks in a six pack. Fifty bucks in a six pack. Not a, it's got to be O'Doul's because you're on campus and nobody there drinks. So that's true. Maybe I'll just get a Dr Pepper. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> there you go. Jeremy, Jeremiah, you got anything? To, any parting thoughts before we wrap up? No, I think we pretty much covered whatever I, what I wanted to get off my chest today. That sounds. Hey good. guys, I want to give a, a quick update. The Giants have tied the Cowboys. It's now twenty-one to twenty-one. Nice. And I think they're gonna. I think they're gonna. Uh, I think they're gonna try some kind of trick play here. If you haven't noticed, we're recording during the Cowboys game, and Jeremiah Glenn has been. Uh, uh, trying to abstain from watching the game so that we can be able to do this show. So thank him for holding off on that and go ahead and curse Jeremy for giving us these. From the sideline, not- the sideline reporter just said they're going to run the annexation of Puerto Rico. <laughs> you got to have kids to know that one. <laughs> yeah. That's the second little giants reference we talked about tonight. I like messing with Jeremiah because he, he, 
he's so religious when he DVRs games. Like he does not want to know anything. So I, I constantly mess with him. <laughs> oh, fair enough. So you're, well, I haven't watched the Arkansas game. How do you game? abstain from all information these days? I yeah. know. I get constant push tweets and updates and all that stuff. There's no way. No way I could do it. Well, on that on, on, on that note, I want to thank everybody for listening this far. If you haven't subscribed yet, please go on iTunes, subscribe to the Frogcast. Please give us a rating. We've got a lot of five-star ratings. We're, we're a five-star recruit podcast. So we'd love for you to rate our show. Our downloads have just kind of gone through the roof, both with the season starting as well as coming on board with 24-7. We're glad to be a part of this Horn Frog Blitz family. If you know about our show and, and you like it, please share that on social media. Media. That's the number one way that people find out about us is through Twitter and through Facebook. We'd love for people to know about this show. So as always, for Daniel, for Jeremy and Jeremiah, I'm Jeff Mitchell. Thanks so much for listening to the broadcast. <laughs>